Why don't Russians protest? We might not see millions in the streets, but the resistance is there. While the civil servants paint over hundreds of new anti-war graffiti, people are protesting, picketing, and making their voices heard on social media despite risking their freedom. But who are they? And are they fighting a lost battle? My name is Mikhail Sabulov. I'm a Russian writer and director, and I've spent the last eight years living in the US. After a long time away, I finally landed in Moscow, several hours after the war had started. Together with Paper Paper, an independent media from St. Petersburg, we decided to launch this podcast to share the voices of the Russian resistance and recollect the political realities that are easy to miss living abroad. Because the more we know about each other, the harder it is for propaganda to make us enemies. Today, even the smallest protest in Russia might lead to years in prison. Yet instead of supporting each other, citizens often report those who speak out against the war to the police. We've hardly seen anything like that since Stalin's Great Terror in the 30s. In this episode, I'm speaking to Sofia, a girlfriend of a Russian artist and musician Sasha Skochelenko, who is now facing prison time for an anti-war performance. Sasha is also the author of the Book of Depression, aiming at destigmatizing mental health issues in Russia. Sofia and Sasha are an LGBTQ couple, despite Russia not recognizing same-sex relationships and banning, quote-unquote, gay propaganda under criminal law. Since the start of the war on 24th of February, Sasha had been hosting anti-war jam sessions called Jamming for Peace. Since March 31st, Sasha has been facing prison on the grounds of intentionally spreading false information about the use of Russian military forces. There are four similar cases in St. Petersburg right now, but Sasha's was the first. The war with Ukraine deeply affected Sasha, as she has friends in Kiev. They called from their hiding places in the subway to tell her about all the horror they had been going through. Sasha was also a summer camp teacher in Zakarpatia, in the west of Ukraine. And she was terrified that bombs could be falling on the children. That is why she could not remain silent. Sasha decided to do a small anti-war performance by replacing price tags in a grocery store with information about the Russian army bombing over 400 civilians hiding in the drama theater in Mariupol, Ukraine. The prosecution is asking for up to 10 years in prison for that performance. A phone call from an old friend woke Sasha up when I was getting ready for work that morning. The friend told her the police had come to search his apartment. Sasha started worrying about him. She said she would find a lawyer for him. He called back in 10 minutes saying everything was good. He said the cops made a mistake. He then asked her to come to his place as he needed support. I hugged Sasha goodbye and left for work. Later that day, it turned out to be a trap. That friend helped the police lure her into his house. They were waiting for her near the entrance. Maybe the police pressured or frightened him into cooperating. I heard about Sasha's arrest from the other friend. He said the cops had taken Sasha and were now on their way to search her home. They used security cameras to track her when she was on her way to her friend to play some music at his house. She stopped by a shop to buy chocolate and replaced some price tags with anti-war messages. An elderly woman saw that and reported Sasha. They even started an investigation. The police were tracking her while she was walking to her friend's house and eventually got there themselves. The authorities didn't let her call her lawyer at first, screamed at her used physical force and threatened her with different sorts of violence. They berated her and told her unspeakable things. However, that wasn't her first time. She has been arrested before. 
previously for filming the protests, despite wearing a press badge. Only this time, the prosecution is asking for prison for intentionally spreading false information about the Russian military. They believe the motive behind Sasha switching the price tags was, and I quote, political hostility. I had a phone call with Sasha after her arrest. She was trying to control herself. She is a very strong and resilient person. She told me she could go to prison for a long time, and I felt it was now I who could not keep a cool head. Most shocking of all, they did not charge her with an administrative offense, but with a criminal one. As far as I know, this is the first felony case under such an article in Central Russia. Voluntary reporting of a charter to the government was a famous part of Soviet political reality in the 1930s. People complained about their colleagues, neighbors, classmates, anyone who showed even a glimpse of lack of loyalty to the Soviet agenda. Back in the day, most people lived in communal apartments, a version of a barrack where a single large apartment is divided into small chunks for different families. With that said, one of the most common scenarios was a neighbor reporting a neighbor to get rid of them and thus improve personal living conditions. History seems to come full circle. Pretty much for the first time since the 1930s, Russia is experiencing a rise in civil delations, people accusing and reporting each other to the authorities. It's a truly scary social phenomenon. Just a few weeks into the war, a school teacher was reported by her own students for anti-war statements. She was fired and faced administrative charges. Why do such things happen today? The elderly woman was hardly after Sasha's apartment or her job. Most likely, she did it out of fear. Through the years of terror, social delations became a form of self-awareness, a deeply rooted psychological complex that consciously or unconsciously is passed down the generations. It might be that people are feeling that if they join the system, help the authorities somehow, then they themselves will be safe or even get rewarded. In Sasha's case, the elderly woman who reported her has never shown up in court. Sophia hasn't spoken to her either. I read the elderly woman's report after it was published by the press. It looks very professional. Like she didn't answer herself, but wrote it down precisely the way they told her. Here's an excerpt from the official report quoting the elderly woman. I worry for our soldiers and I resent such defamation. I was so furious that my hands started shaking. Our soldiers would never bombard peaceful civilian infrastructure such as schools. It's evident that the information is false. While in prison, Sasha faced strong adversity from her cellmates. It's important to note, Sasha suffers from bipolar disorder and gluten intolerance, medical conditions that the prison authorities chose to ignore. During pre-trial detention, Sasha changed cells three times. At first, she was put in an 18-bed cell. The living conditions were absolutely terrible. It was cold, the toilet was leaking, the sink was not connected to the plumbing, so there was a huge bucket underneath which everyone had to take turns emptying. Sasha complained about these conditions. Thanks to the publicity, she was transferred to a six-bed cell. At first, it seemed fine. At least it was warm. But soon, her cellmates started bullying her. We managed to get Sasha on a gluten-free diet with the help of the Commissioner for Human Rights. But it only happened three, four weeks after Sasha was detained. We handed her food, but the cellmate made her throw it away. She wouldn't let Sasha open the fridge or store anything inside, saying there was not enough space. Sophia says it's impossible to say why Sasha was mistreated. It could be personal jealousy. Often women in prison struggle in the tough emotional environment. Their loved ones abandon them, 
They don't get visits, nor letters, no parcels either. Sasha was the opposite, receiving letters all the time, food. Her cellmates have clearly seen she's loved by her family and friends. Another option could be an order from the authorities. However, there is no way to know that for a fact. Again, thanks to the publicity and our intervention, we managed to move Sasha. Now she is in a double cell in the medical unit. She has a very good cellmate, and the conditions there are as good as they can possibly be in prison. About three, four days after the trial, I was called in for questioning. I spoke about myself and about my everyday life with Sasha, but refused to answer other questions, claiming the Article 51, stating that I can't be obliged to testify against myself or my relatives. Sasha and I are family. I'm her common-law partner, and any evidence against her could have been used against me too. After the interrogation, I understood they were trying to tie Sasha to a criminal group responsible for these so-called terrible demonstrations and destabilizing our society. I have been trying to visit Sasha for a long time. According to Russian law, every prisoner is allowed visits twice a month. At first I did not know we could see each other at all, as the investigator made me a witness in the case. I later found out that I am only a character witness. Often character witnesses are parents or spouses, those who live with the detainee. I believe prohibiting prison visits causes serious emotional stress. Sasha has not seen anyone for almost two months already. I worry about her. She has bipolar disorder with severe depressive episodes. I am going through all this with Sasha. She's the closest person I have. I had to leave my job as a pharmacist to devote my whole life to saving her. I want her out as soon as possible. And if not, I want her living conditions to be more or less bearable. What you're about to hear is the recording from the courtroom with more than a hundred people who came to support Sasha. After the recent hearing, Sasha was to remain in prison until the 1st of July. Sofia told me she had no high hopes going in for the trial, just wished to see Sasha, to talk to her at least for a moment, to look into her eyes. Unfortunately, the hearing was made private. The authorities didn't let anyone in for the sentencing. Later, it turned out, the hearing was changed to private due to the arbitrariness of the bailiffs. We saw how they were escorting Sasha from court. She was always handcuffed, though she had committed no violent crime. I am certain they want to make her into a cautionary tale. It is how they threaten people to make sure everyone is afraid of speaking out. Many people thought replacing store price tags with an anti-war messages is much safer than protesting on the streets. But that turned out not to be the case. We have absolutely no freedom of speech left in this country. I think the government is afraid of any differing opinions. They want no bad publicity and no alternative information to get through to society. 
просачивалась в общество. Люди, например, люди же старшего This podcast is produced by Paper Paper, an independent Russian media company. Since the 24th of February, Paper Paper has been reporting on the war in Ukraine, which led to extensive pressure from the Russian government. Our website got blocked, and the advertisers are afraid to continue working with us. So we lost our main source of income. Still, we carry on telling Russians the truth about the invasion. That said, we urge you to help and support the Ukrainian people any way you can. Yet, if you consider supporting the freedom of speech in Russia and the independent media that report the truth about the war no matter what, please follow the link in the description to donate to Paper Paper. Sasha received major public support. Many people came to the court trials, around 50 people for the first one, even though Sophia and her friends haven't invited anyone. Over 100 people showed up for the second and the third. Sasha gets a lot of help from independent journalists, especially from paper media. Sasha used to work there for some time. Moreover, about a month ago, Sophia and her friends launched a media campaign, and many cultural, academic, and science public figures made videos in Sasha's support stating that artists should never be persecuted for their art. We have launched a crowdfunding campaign to republish Sasha's famous book on depression, as well as publishing two more comics, Nuts on Depression and a book about mania. We have raised more than 60% of the money we need, and I hope we soon will raise the full amount. I believe public support is extremely important. Our story has now gone far beyond Russia. Journalists from Sweden, Norway, America and the UK are constantly interviewing me. I know publicity has already saved some lives here. It is crucial to understand that this is an ongoing investigation, and the main court hearing is still to come. That is why we hope public support will influence Sasha's case. The court can either sentence Sasha to 5 to 10 years in prison or fine her 3 to 5 million rubles. We hope for a fine because of Sasha's poor health. We are scared she won't survive imprisonment. Everyone understands the absurdity of this case. We even received four video messages from people who support the war in Ukraine, but still can't comprehend why Sasha can go to prison for some price tags in a shop. In her open letter, Sasha said that her imprisonment is an anti-war performance that the government unknowingly participates in because there is no better indication of how absurd her case is. It's an illustration of government insanity. Sofia started a telegram channel called Freedom for Sasha's Kachelenko. Soon it got flooded with Russian trolls writing that Sasha's imprisonment is the right thing, and Putin actually leads Russia into a better future, but Sasha just doesn't get it, so she should be kept away. Sofia doesn't believe those commenters are 
real people, though. I saw photos of anti-war demonstrations in other countries, with Russian experts protesting among the locals. They were carrying Sasha's photos and messages like Free Alexandra Skochelenko. If any of you can do this, it will help Sasha. It is crucial to show how vast the public support is. As the judge said, Sasha is destabilizing Russian society, therefore she is dangerous and should be kept in prison. I urge you to follow Sasha's case on Twitter, as it's the best way to stay up to date. The link will be in the description. Sasha's imprisonment has certainly changed her a lot. She often feels depressed. She says she is scared of forgetting who she is and what she has done. I believe she will get through this, and I support her in every possible way. I expect nothing, I make no predictions. Our lawyers make no promises, since there has never been a case like this. Wrapping up, I want to read Sasha's open letter that she published on the 17th of May, after her court appeal was rejected. She writes, On the 17th of May, you could have witnessed the next chapter of the imprisonment performance called The Appeal That Couldn't. My performance is dedicated to the freedom of speech, freedom of expression, and the fight for peace. Right now, such campaigns are illegal and literally impossible in Russia's public life. All but mine. My campaign is not simply legal. It continues on for over a month now with the full support and financial backing of the government. Persecution, police, judges, and prison guards. All of them are the assistants and background actors in my show. The more force the political repression machine throws at me, the more successful my performance is, the louder and clearer my prayers for peace sound. Freedom of speech, freedom of expression and peace in my mind are invaluable, and paying for them with some 10 years of prison is peanuts. 10 years are nothing for an opportunity to live in peace and unarmed, to express your thoughts publicly. Our ancestors at the Senate Town Square sacrificed much more for their ideas. The political machine through the hands of investigators and some high-ranking anonymous individuals passing down orders from above thinks that my imprisonment would be a cautionary tale for others, to show them how dangerous, criminal and wrong it is to express your opinions. Only it's not true. It is I who in my own will act out this performance called imprisonment to show you that prison is not the end. Life, light and hope are all here inside these walls. The entire Russia resembles a prison right now, and we have to figure out how to live with it. The political repression machine is not forever, but love is. I say, love tramples all. I know for a fact that love passes through bars, barbed wire, and unscalable concrete walls. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider donating to Paper Paper. The link is in the description.